0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey everyone and welcome to Come For Supper. I'm Alexandra Dudley, food writer, cook, and serial dinner party host. So I thought it'd be fun to sit down with people who share that love for food, chat about life, and learn a little bit more about how they like to serve supper. I speak to chefs, restaurateurs, artists, actors, authors, and pretty much anyone who likes to entertain. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you click subscribe. And if you enjoy it, rate it, review it, share it, and tell your friends, as it makes all the difference. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Today in the studio, we have a woman whose love for healthy food and Indian ingredients have captured the hearts of many. Her first cookbook, Saffron Soul, was published in 2017 and her second book, Prana, (laughs) Prajnar, the Ayurvedic rituals for happiness has just come out. She is also the owner of the incredibly popular Soho Cafe, Chai by Mira, which I can personally vouch for serving one of the best chais in London. And her famous chai spice mix is used by many restaurants too. When she's not writing or at the cafe, she hosts supper clubs, workshops and retreats. She is a very busy woman. Welcome to the studio, Mira.
1: Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me, and what a wonderful introduction.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I could have gone on. I, I feel <laughs> like I have to pare it back sometimes. Oh, that's so, so that I don't, you know, though it's too much of me speaking.
1: So, where have you come from this afternoon? I love listening, so that's fine. <laughs> um, I've come from my cafe. It's been a bit of a busy day, but I actually was at Young British Food Awards this morning, judging um, on a panel, and. Um, the awards are going to be giving out given out at the end of this month, and that was very exciting. So it's been a bit of a oddly busy day. Um, from there to the cafe to here, and then to a book launch that we're both going to. Yeah, it's very
0: cool. I suppose you can't give away any secrets, but what does it entail? The judging are you are
1: you tasting things? You're just judging on what they've done. So interestingly, this particular category of YBFs was um, it's all about sort of their story um, and what okay. their what their stories, is, what they're trying to include in their um, food, and what the what stories they're telling through food, and so it was a very different sort of category. So yes, two of them brought food. One of them wasn't able to. She actually does a writes a blog called Curry and Cancer, um, really interesting lady, um, Saima, and she wasn't able to because she was had an hospital appointment this morning. Wow, okay. um, so it was really interesting to have yep. these um, brilliantly inspiring people. And the other two were about to launch their restaurants. Are about to launch their restaurants very soon, and are bringing to life cultures through food, which is really what food is all about now, I think. Um, People are so interested in the stories. Yeah, and the language, I think. I say it a lot, but food is essentially,
0: it's just another form of communication and it's sort of a universal language, which I think is something that's so
1: beautiful about it. And that's why I found this particular thing, this particular category and this morning so exciting and interesting, because that's exactly through my first book, which was a cookbook. I basically told stories of... I guess, the women behind food, my family, mm-hmm. my mum, my grandmother, my aunts, who have, who I've grown up eating their food and they've been cooking all their lives. And just sort of that story in itself has now translated into so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what my book was about. Yes, of course, it was about the food. Um, and it is the focus is the food. But through that, I just want to do a lot more.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your childhood then. So you grew up in London, but yes. you come from a family that has strong kind of Indian heritage. To get, am I right that you learned Sanskrit at school? Yeah, is, I did. That's
1: quite cool. Yes, it's the only school in London. I was gonna say. Yeah. I can't. I'm trying to think of schools we can do a, that. And it's a english christian normal school in, it's very good cool, yeah so we, we actually we were in queen's gate in yeah. south kensington um, for like most of my life that was where my school mm-hmm. was and now it's moved to hammersmith and it's called saint james and they still teach sanskrit when i was there it was compulsory i believe it's not compulsory anymore but from the age of four we studied sanskrit with english teachers it wasn't even like yeah, indian wow. teachers so it was quite amazing that they actually learned Sanskrit to think now that if i learned sanskrit late in life how difficult it would be to pick it up yeah whereas only learned from the age of it's very different. You're picking up a language um, easily mm-hmm. at that age. So I did GCN, GCSE and A level Sanskrit. Very cool. Which was, which actually was really interesting from the perspective of traveling in India and going to all these like recitals that my spiritual teacher did because he would focus on the scriptures that I studied in school. So it was like I, I was sort of living the things that I was studying, which was fascinating in a way and, and kind of unique. Making though. connections. Um, and obviously that sort of, stays with you for your whole Mm -hmm. life.
0: And what about food? Was it something that you were interested in from, from kind of that young age as well?
1: No, actually. I think food was just a part and parcel of life. I never thought of food as something other than, you know, what I came home and ate. I was very structured with my eating, you know, my family. It was very healthy. We also went to a school which was, in that day and age, organic wasn't really heard of. And it was mm-hmm. organic and it was vegetarian. That's primarily why my parents chose it, because they were so intent on the vegetarian side. So were you brought up as a vegetarian? Yes. Cause you're f-
0: really? Okay. Because your first book... And you're a vegetarian today yeah. still because your first book was entirely, it's entirely vegetarian and it came out in 2017, right? Yes. Yeah. And I know, I know from experience that it, often it you you write the book about a year before you see it on the shelf. So that means you were writing it in 2016 and I think now vegetarianism, veganism, you know, it's pretty mainstream. Like yeah. restaurants have vegetarian menus, restaurants
1: are vegan and vegetarian, but back then what, was it? Was it? Did you feel like it was a risk? Were I know veganism publishers? was getting very, very popular at that time, but not as popular as it is now. Yeah. Veganism is obviously more trendy than being vegetarian. It's almost like people understand yeah, veganism yeah. before vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, there was vegetarianism was there like a lot. I mean, it was only two years ago. I would say ten years ago is a yeah. bit different. Not, not not two years ago. But my publishers were very keen on not m- making it primarily a vegan cookbook that happens to be healthy it was more yeah. like this is an indian cookbook that happens to be healthy that's what I mean. and vegetarian you
0: wouldn't know from the title yeah. or from the front cover like most vegetarian books i think that had come out prior to that whole wave they were the vegetarian cookbook or cook vegetarian or vegetarian
1: weekday yeah. cooking or something yes. and this was this was just a book that happened to be a vegetarian yeah that's exactly how they how we sort of you know, we and we sat down and had the meeting. Um, we were debating how. In fact, the first title we worked with was "Healthy Indian," okay, um, because that was my hashtag all, all along. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we didn't do that because this has turned out to be a timeless book now. Yeah, because exactly. of the fact that it's a beautiful coffee table book and it just happens to be healthy and vegetarian and primarily vegan. Um, it just happens to be timeless because anyone who eats meat who picks it up can cook from it because they don't need to be like, oh, this is vegetarian. We're not going to touch it. Yeah, and that. they won't even
0: notice. As yeah,
1: well. it's almost like the flavors. It doesn't really matter whether you whether it's vegetarian or not, which it, which is really nice. I mean, at the time, maybe vegan would have done better or maybe now vegan would do better. But I just think that's, I'm not saying that's a trend. I think it's here to stay, but I do think it's um, it, it's nice to have a timeless book. Yeah, as a as it's a, a great a book. book and you. then your second book, uh, Women of Medi
0: talents is not a cookbook. So no. can you tell us a little bit more about it and sort of why you decided to write sure. it? Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean it's really interesting. The whole journey was very. It's funny because it wasn't. What I had in mind. I always thought my second book would be a cookbook. In fact, I never even thought I would write a cookbook. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote novels before, and I haven't published those novels. So I actually was going to be a writer of novels to start with. Wow. So the cookbook that happened again was took me by surprise as well. But then I thought my second book would be another cookbook, and I started thinking about what that would be. And I was thinking feasts because I do supper clubs and that sort of thing. But actually, this book, and since the idea came about, this book has sort of brought together all the Passions, interests that I have, the things that I've grown up doing and living and breathing in a way, and my own journey back to well being, back to healthfulness, back to sort of life. Because I went through, you know, I think when you go through a tragic experience in Mm -hmm. life or any sort of trauma, there are tools that you pick up and you use, and you don't realize what those tools are until that time strikes and you. Over time, realize what your toolbooks will look like, and those tools that I picked up, whether it was yoga, which it, well initially it was yoga, you know, healthy, back, going back to healthy food. I had a very bad relationship with food before that. Um, the sun really helped me. I was living in Dubai at the time, um, and I was going through a really long divorce, and and I was in between Dubai and in and, and London. I was going to, I was going to India a lot, um, and the sun really really helped me. And I think whenever I came to London, I'd get dragged down mm. again. And I know no, that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean. I mean, we all sort of London does have that, but um, I love it. I love London. It's a great city. But, you know, that sort of dreary grey sky thing affects you a lot more when you're going through a troublesome experience. And then, you know, over time, you know, realizing what I really loved and going and doing Kundalini yoga, realizing the capacity and the um the power of the breath um, and obviously the things that I grew up doing, whether it was chanting, um, whether it was sort of meditation. I know in my school we were taught meditation and I'm not a real big meditator. I don't just sit there and just meditate for like 10, 20 minutes every single day. But I do believe in the power of just sitting still or like understanding what's going on in your head and actually observing it and that in itself is meditation. I talk in this book about moments of stillness and actually meditation being... In the moment of what you're doing, which is basically mindfulness. Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting here and really enjoying or if I love art and I I love painting and I'm going to sit there and paint for 10 minutes in the day, that is my meditation. So I speak about that in the book as well. But of course, there's the other side of meditation, which is going into that sort of form of dhyana of like stillness of closing your eyes and actually going into that thought process. But it's, it's just so interesting how these things have become amazingly relevant today things that i sort of grew up doing um and these sets of um this toolbox has essentially become a toolbox of rituals Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that i use these rituals every day but that's what this book is about picking and choosing what comes to you um and understanding these little things that come from india in a in a way that's accessible that's a very
0: long answer for a short question it's great (laughs) i've just i got it but i like very luckily sneak peek you know sneaky peek of it this morning um and it's also it's it's a how do i say i mean it's a small book you can hold it in your hand it's very different when you hold a cookbook it's this which is this kind of big bulky thing and this i think what's so nice about it as well is that you can it's you could you could just carry this around with you and dip in and out of it and and often actually when when they when i read books that are sort of about i don't know mindfulness or you know my like self-help uh shelf (laughs) they are the kind of books that you can dip in and out of and i think they're so they're so refreshing those sort of books because you just sort of you'll sort of open it and you don't know what you'll find but inevitably you're going to find something that you'll need and that will be useful and what's lovely about this is you've got you have got a few
1: recipes in here as well which i
0: think i think when you you know for you obviously cooking is such
1: a big part of what you do and I, I think... tried to do recipes. I tried to bring um, include recipes that are really sort of everyday for yeah, me. Yeah, easy, simple. Yeah, things that you can. Yeah, simple, but using spices in a very everyday way. So understanding how spices can flavour your food in a very easy way, but also in a way that also makes it more flavourful. So it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. So how do you use those spices in a very calming, um, ritualistic, I guess, way? Um, and just um, pepper all your food with with different ingredients, different spices, so it just becomes a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. rather than boring, I guess. Um and and so I've tried to really focus on recipes that I would just do every single day. Um and uh we were initially thinking of putting pictures in the book and I i did read. I like it i like it like this actually yeah i think it's really lovely as a gift book and like yeah
0: exactly exactly it's such a good gift book yeah it's it's got a fabulous bright pink cover as well which i really approve of because it looks fab so in in sanskrit the word ayurveda translates to the science of life and i know that in india it's known as the mother of healing Mm. so for i'm sure you have a lot of wisdom in it but for people who don't know can you talk us
1: to us a little bit about the principles of Ayurveda. Yeah, absolutely. So Ayurveda is um, the sort of med- system of medicine in India, which came about many, many years ago. Um, and it's sort of ingrained in the lives of people in India, so much so that it's a part of life. So, you know, growing up here, even though so my family actually came from India to Africa, to Uganda, and my great grandparents, and then my family was born in in Africa and so when they came to London through the idiom Amin exodus what the sort of version of India that we have and we've grown up with is very very old mm-hmm. so we're sort of very traditional in so many ways which India is but it has also moved on from that so when you talk about I mean I, I can speak about the food or I can speak about culture or the dress sense or fashion or whatever it is but I but when you talk about sort of well-being and rituals and Ayurveda I didn't grow up knowing necessarily the word Ayurveda, but things that we did I didn't realize were essentially very Ayurvedic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's the tongue scraper, which has yeah. become so popular these days, I had no idea. And why, 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 I did why that. do people do that? Why so do you do that? I did that from a, since I don't even remember when I wasn't doing that. You know, I did that from the minute I could brush my teeth. Um, and the only reason I continued to do it is because I thought, oh, it's weird not to do. It. I think once you start mm-hmm. doing it, it's very weird not to do it because then you feel like there's a film of something on yeah. your on your tongue and it just feels odd. But obviously now I realise the reasons. So the reason is that you're, you get a film of like ama, which is toxins, on your tongue every morning um, while you sleep. And so the... Ideally, you want to copper um, a tongue scraper and that will remove the ama toxins from the tongue in the morning. And so it's actually very, very good for you. As... As is, I mean, as is sort of coke, uh, coconut oil pulling, mm-hmm. which a lot of people do. That's not something that I grew up doing. Okay. I have put it in the book because it's very Ayurvedic. Um, but a lot of people do it and they find it's great for the teeth. It's good for like, again, getting rid of ama. Um And the principles of Ayurveda is basically what's what... I think are the principles of living really, which is to try and fast between your meals. I, I, I'm just going to go through a few of the main yeah, okay. key principles. So, fasting between meals and so not over-snacking, for example, because that will um, ignite the agni, which is the digestive fire, which needs to be ignited in order to receive and digest the next meal. So, try and make sure that there's like a gap of four hours between the next this meal and the next meal. Also, um, waking up and trying to make sure that your digestive system is in tune with the sun. So trying to have breakfast, lunch and dinner according to when the sun is at its strongest. Mm-hmm. So actually having your biggest meal at lunchtime is the best okay. way to do it. But that said, I think also what I talk about in this book and what my research has shown is that if you are living in a con- if you're living in this day and age and you have a really um, stressful job and you can't really take the time out to have a relaxed lunch, then it's better not to do that. Mm -hmm. It's better to try and just have a bigger meal at dinner, but just try not to have it too late. Because if you're going to be stressed and eating that big meal at lunch, you're going to scoff it down and you're not going to be able to chew it. And one of the main principles, as we all know, with digestion is chew your food properly. And also, if you're super stressed, you're not going to be able to digest that food. So it's working with Ayurveda. Sorry, it's Ayurveda working with your life. Um, Ayurveda working with your um, lifestyle and making sure that you don't try and apply these ancient principles in your day-to-day life if it doesn't work for you practically mm-hmm. um, and then the I obviously just touched upon Agni which is the digestifier, and that's really really important because just understanding how that works um, and making sure that you sort of go in tune with um, nature as well because as Ayurveda says that you come from nature; you're not born into nature, and so you want to be in tune with nature. So things are like in the book, I also speak about like walking in nature, mm-hmm. um, tree so worship, important. and that sort of yeah. all of that. Being outside is just key, I exactly. think, for your, like mental happiness. Exactly, and there is obviously lots of research to show why that's true. And in Japan, in Japan, they actually have something called forest bathing, which is so interesting. it's but actually what, would you just for us? lie in the forest naked. No, no, no. It's just the walking. That's of a the- shame, I would <laughs> definitely do that feel like I do that anyway. (laughs) let's go do that <laughs> that is I mean that would be really interesting but yeah because there's a lot of forests in Japan and it's called forest bathing you actually go into the forest and you, so you, immerse, listen, yourself. you immerse yourself okay. you know you feel your feet on the ground yeah. you feel you listen to the rustle of the leaves you sort of feel the wind on your skin and that sort of thing and it's trying to meditate essentially mm-hmm. in the forest and it's it's actually got a name it's called Shinrin Yoku it's beautiful so that again I touch upon that in the book we don't have such a thing but we do have a real sort of importance of trees in India yeah. um, and tree worship is a thing and so understanding the sort of our our, our relationship with nature is really important um, and other things are obviously you may have heard of doshas which have yeah. become I so was um, wondering if you were going to say that because yeah. I love talking about doshas Yeah, it's my new favourite oh, thing really? to talk about yeah <laughs> gonna make a podcast on doshas We should (laughs) i don't know you should you definitely should (laughs) no doshas are really i mean they are important because obviously understanding your constitution will allow you to understand what works for you and what kind of personality you are what kind of yoga or exercise you need or whether you need more rest or more and or do you have more energy in your life to do more things so and and what foods you should eat obviously um but I don't focus a lot on doshas in my book. I'm talking okay. more about in my book. I talk more about the Ayurvedic lifestyle as opposed to the um, practical sort of nitty-gritties of what mm-hmm. Ayurveda constitution is all about. Okay, but you you you, uh, you have recipes in there, and there is
0: that 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 kind of strong link, I think, between food and food being food being medicine. As yes. well as uh, principles and Ayurvedic kind of habits and rituals being medicine, but food being a way to sort of self heal, self medicate. But it's almost like prevent, not cure. Absolutely, that, that's that's sort of from what totally. I, from my dosha and Ayurvedic reading, that's yeah, sort of what I've gathered. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Have you kind of, because you, you've talked about how you went through, you know, difficult times in your life or, you know, you change your relationship with food. Have you experienced firsthand how sort of eating in that kind of Ayurvedic way, chewing your food, eating slower? I know that eating or not eating really cold food is something mm. that's quite important.
1: Have you yes. experienced firsthand that that's totally. kind of I have affected such, you? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's affected me specifically because, and that's partly why I actually went to a lot of Ayurvedic resorts when I was younger um, in my teenage Teenage years and my twenties, I went to a lot of spas and Ayurvedic resorts in India. Oh, lovely! Um, yeah, it was really amazing. <laughs> but um, partly because I actually had very bad digestion, okay, and um, I, I actually don't—I didn't realise—but I made that a lot worse by the sort of pattern of eating that. I yeah. Had. So when I left my first school, um, I went to a much bigger school for A levels, and I think that really affected me because my my like routine with food completely went out of sync. Mm -hmm. And from then onwards, I started, you know, putting on weight or having acne or whatever it was. And those sorts of things were also then exacerbated by things in the media, you know, media telling us that we should have low fat diets and that sort of thing. So my awareness of food became... Um, greater, but in a very bad way mm-hmm. because I realized that, oh my God, I shouldn't be having any oil. And then I'd stop eating curries yeah, and like dal, which yeah. is ridiculous. I stopped eating, I not stopped eating, but I really replaced things like proper Indian meals with like special K bars and, yeah, and sad those sorts of sad special K bars. God, I Ridiculous, remember Ridiculous, right? Special K and then I'd diet. wonder why my energy is attacked. Yeah, like, I had no idea. Yeah. It took me years to sort of understand what I was doing wrong or that I was even doing something mm-hmm. wrong. I would just snack all day. And that's how yeah. I developed this really awful relationship with food, which essentially I grew up eating Ayurvedic cuisine or food. And what I realized is that my uh, food habits were sort of out of sync and out of routine. But also because I had a lot of cold foods and I'd yeah. travel and then I'd have... So cold foods didn't work, especially for me. I mean, I think it also depends on your climate. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, also your constitution. If you're specific dosha type or whatever it is, um, cooked foods are better for you. But generally, as a rule, ayuradises that have cooked foods don't have raw foods, Loads especially of raw at food. night. Yeah. But I do think it's to do with where you live as well. If you're in LA and or in, I don't know, hotter climate, you will be far more inclined to have salads for lunch or even sometimes for dinner than you would in a country like London when it's in wintertime. I think it's like you eat more fruit as well isn't it yeah. when you're away because you need that you need that kind of
0: liquid and that sugar yes. and you don't need to eat kind of you know when I'm away I'll eat a peach and then I'll eat watermelon and then I'll eat exactly. more fruit and I just don't I don't go around eating loads of fruit in London. I, I mean at the moment I'm eating a lot of peaches because we've got some good peaches but yeah. do you know what it, I think I think it is your
1: environment as well. It I is totally It is. and you that. have to work with your season you have to work with where you are located and so Seasonal, all of that is, I'm, I mean, we all speak about seasonal eating, mm-hmm. but that is Ayurvedic as it, well. It, yeah, it's also how we're meant to eat. I mean, Ayurveda doesn't have to be India. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like no, can, I, I totally Italians understand could you. be eating very but Ayurvedically.
0: I, I mean, the Mediterranean diet <laughs> exactly. is almost quite
1: Ayurvedic if you think about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. let's chat a little bit about entertaining. And because we are on Come For Supper. What do we get when we come
1: to Mira Manik's House for supper? What's your? How do you like to entertain? I love um sharing plates that's exactly yeah. what I do for my supper clubs like the way you do it. I love all your food um delicious <laughs> honestly um I'm still still dreaming of that fig um black olive oh fig my and god rosary. that was so good <laughs> uh, I want to come over for that again <laughs> um yeah so at my supper clubs I basically do sharing large sharing plates and platters of say for example my masala grilled aubergine or Yum. like a kale date and red cabbage salad with um, almond flakes and a coriander cashew dressing. So everything's quite everything has a lot of spices but not spice if you know what I mean. Because I'm not Not heat. Not Not like chilli. And I actually I'm not into like I don't particularly like having a lot of chilli in my Mm -hmm. food anyway. So chilli would also be there a little bit like I'll put I don't know, in the coriander dressing. I might blend in one chili, mm-hmm. but that'll go a long way. You don't really f- taste that too much, so it's very lightly spiced, and yet there's spice in everything. So mm-hmm. there'll be the masala mix that's layered on the aubergine is has got like eight spices um, plus a blend of like tahini and ground cashews and water so it's like spread on top like a miso grilled aubergine almost and jaggery um, which is an earthy natural sweetener because our food in from gujarat um, the what sets it apart is that is that sort of balance between lime and sweetness Mm -hmm. in your actual main dishes which is really lovely which you don't get in the rest of india so i try and include those flavors a lot because that's a part of india that i'm from and that's a food that i've grown up eating so i take mixes and spices spice mixes that you know i've grown up eating and applying them to sort of more modern dishes mm-hmm. or changing them a little bit um and then i'll have a dal maybe a soup to start Delicious. with like if it's winter time i'll have like a mung bean soup to start with but mung beans sounds so boring and it is kind of boring but i just spice it up with lots of ginger yeah um so it tastes quite like and and coconut milk. I like using coconut milk mm-hmm. because there's a lot of vegans who come to my events. And so I'd rather than not, because I love using yogurt. I, I swap that for coconut okay. milk sometimes. It's got that nice kind of depth of, yeah. kind of creaminess. And I in do it. love yogurt, though. I think Indian food, that's why it's tricky it's to It's cooling, eat. isn't it? Yeah, it's cooling. And it's got that natural tanginess, which yeah. Indian, well, natural yogurt does, not necessarily Greek thick yogurt. But it's so, it's just, it's such a nice sort of... Um, it also cools down the palate if you're uh, mm-hmm. having chili, um, yeah. chilies in your food. And then I'll have one or two snacks, like, you know, from my book, maybe it's Dokla, which is the, um, soft, sort of spongy, yellow square. That's delicious. Things. I oh, was going to ask what that things. was. I I felt bad that i have forgotten the name. That's it's delicious. One of my favorite things. Yeah. yeah. So delicious. Um, literally is my favorite snack. Um, or I'll have, um, the, uh, baked, uh, savory cake, which is called Andvo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll have the second, course might have one curry but again it won't be a curry curry like a soupy curry it'll be a lot more like like a beetroot and coconut curry which is like dry got curry great, yeah um and then maybe a um a bread of some sort sometimes i'll do cauliflower rice with like lots mm-hmm. of vegetables um but lots of flavor and um i always put like this charred corn in it so that there's some crunch oh, delicious oh my goodness and and that's so yeah i change it up a lot sometimes i'll have like beetroot and sweet potato patties or the um, mung bean patties from my book i try and like use things in my book but then add different Mm -hmm. elements to it and different layers um and then dessert will always be not always but sometimes most of the time i'll do the saffron lime cheesecake because people love that Mm -hmm. it's vegan and everyone just absolutely loves that or i'll do um some type of fudge which is with the Your fudge flour. is quite famous. You you yeah. mirror fudge although you also say it's kind of like a non-fudge. It's not you? yeah it's not fudge. It's but basically it's, you know made, that, that it fudge. tastes fudgy and a lot of people think it's got peanut butter in it but and it tastes like peanut butter but it's actually literally chickpea flour dates coconut oil and then either I spice it with cardamom which is normally what I do but then if it's a dessert at a, an event I'll try and mix it up with like cacao and cinnamon and like yeah. an all spice yeah. mix and yeah, then yeah. I'll put like cashew cream with, with vanilla it. or something and mm-hmm. like berries so it's like a hot thing Um oh, Wow, yum Yeah So, so the fudge will be hot or The Yeah car- No, no, can- no, no, oh, no. The fudge clever. will be hot So I sometimes just like because when you cook the fudge you actually make it in a pan and it is hot it's piping hot Yeah. but then I layer it and I, you know chop it up yeah. into pieces but rather than do that you just Serve it Serve it hot as a sort of it's actually um in my book it's called the traditional name which is Montal and that is served a lot of the times hot Um it's just that I've made it into these pieces. So, yeah. Delicious. I can see, I can can sense Jack salivating. Jack's very kindly (laughs) recording us.
0: (laughs) Well, Jack, we've got some vegan cheesecake with us and it's got the fudge as the base, so you can definitely have that after. (laughs) And what about do's and don'ts when entertaining? Do you have anything that you sort of, rules for people? Because you do a lot of entertaining, I do a lot of entertaining, but a lot of people shy away from entertaining because they're, you know, they're afraid they're going to mess up. Do you have any kind of tips?
1: Yeah, so I think... With entertaining, just make sure you're prepared because there are times when I'm not where I haven't been as prepared as other times. And then I can't enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm running around doing things. I'm like, actually, if I'd prepared a little bit better or if I had a bit more help, then I'd be able to enjoy this moment a bit more. But also being on your toes and being able to sort of making sure everyone has... Everything they need and making sure there's more food than less. Yeah, always having a bit extra. Sometimes when things run out, it's a little bit like that's the thing that sticks with me. You remember it, and you probably remember it more than the guests. But I, I I agree with you there exactly. And it's just not nice to, you know, someone if there is a little bit left over, you can always like pack it up for somebody. That's really nice. I love that's a lovely tip. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I don't always remember to take boxes or like yeah. containers with me and i'm always regret it because if there's a supper club and there's lots of food left over i want to pack it for people but how do i pack it yeah for so i always jam jars yeah, i always yes. say keep jam jars yeah get everyone to bring a jam jar. Yeah, you That's should actually, you know, we should include that at the bottom of like Yeah, please invites. bring jam jars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Buffet.
1: So you do you do supper clubs, you do pop-ups, you do retreats
0: and then you also run your cafe. Was it always a plan to run something? Was that once you kind of
1: fell into food? Did you dream have that kind of in Never, literally. I don't think even no, this time last year, I wouldn't know because I would have been starting it. I started it last November. But if you'd asked me last July, I would have no idea that I was going to start a cafe. And I didn't even, not necessarily even dream of it. I never really thought that was my thing. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even know where to begin. It just came up. The opportunity came up because I used to go to try yoga a lot mm-hmm. because my cafe is inside the yoga studio inside try yoga in Kingley Court. And the opportunity came up because try Yoga offered it to me at the time, and I jumped on it and said yes because it was, it was a sort of setup where I was walking in, but you know, make, making it my own, um and it was just the most wonderful location. I absolutely love being in Kingly Court, and it really just worked out. I mean, it was much harder work than I thought initially. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much goes into just running the business element yeah. of or setting up a cafe. Um, Maybe I maybe I wouldn't have said yes if I knew all the nitty gritties that went into it. But I said yes and, you know, I'm so glad I said yes. It's been a crazy whirlwind of a year, but I I love being located inside or, you know, working with a brand like Triyoga because that's where my yoga journey began mm-hmm. in London. I've always loved I've always loved Triyoga. I love some of the teachers there. They know me. Um and it really works well with my new book. Um, I don't know if that book. And you came run about events as result, there as well,
0: but... which are like you know you speak to kind of interesting yes, people, philosophers
1: yeah. and all, all different kinds of
0: scientists. You speak to all yes, different kinds yes, yes, of people. Yes, 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 I run high stories well. there. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. So exactly.
1: I've had like Giles Yeo, who is um, an incredible geneticist from, from from Cambridge University, who has written a book called Gene Eating, and then I've had we've had like a, oh yeah, so the latest one was an astrologer um, Francesco cool. Di, so that was really interesting. Cool. So we've had a real sort of range of people. You know, the the girl who fa- launched the first ever vegan cookery school in London, um, Lauren Lover, and um, and then my very good friend Anjali Marta, who wrote the Skincare Bible. Um, so it's a real sort of range in the well-being field, but also in the food field, a kind of crossover. And I love also just working alongside yoga teachers. So my next event, one of my launch events on my book is actually a yoga brunch with TriYoga with one of my favourite yoga teachers, Leila Sardegi, um, on Sunday 15th September, and to launch the book in TriYoga. So nice. So it's a really it's like wonderful... A Circle. yeah it really does feel like full circle yeah
0: and it definitely I and I, I know I said it earlier in the intro where I wasn't just br- brushing you up but you do do a very good chai
1: oh thank you is that is
0: that recipe I'm looking at it now I'm reading it in the book I'm like first is I'm trying <laughs> to work so out what's exactly in it of using a chai is this is this the one that you grew up with is it similar to what you kind of
1: drunk growing up yes in a way it is because every single every family has their own specific spice blend that they put into their chai, into their tea to make it a chai. Um, And every family sort of has their, you know, more ginger or more pepper or more cinnamon or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And when we came up with this recipe, my grandmother and my mother helped me come up with the recipe. But what was really interesting and fascinating as well is that when we added the sugar element to it. So in it, so, so what we usually do, and what India does, is that they have a spice mix, which is just the spices, and mm-hmm. they add it into the boiling chai or the boiling tea leaves and everything, milk, water, um, and they boil it together, and they add the sugar to that. But what I came up with when I started supplying to cafes like four years ago is a spice blend which actually has the coconut sugar mixed Inside. into it, and that changed the proportions. I couldn't keep the same proportions it just tasted really odd so I had to change the amount of ginger the amount of mm-hmm. so we tried so many like I remember the two days that we were trying it I could not have any more chai. sugar chai anything it was just like I am so chai out <laughs> and same with my grandmother and my mother but we all came up with the recipe together because it took Sweet. so much time to actually figure out the proportions and there is a lot more ginger and a lot more cardamom in our chai um, but India generally definitely that cardamom I love I mean I love cardamom it's definitely yeah. got that kind of cardamom Yeah, and I iness cardamom-iness Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It is a thing. <laughs> Gingeriness. Um, yeah, ginger and cardamom are the most sort of... But the funny thing is that when people think of chai and when people think of chai latte, they think of cinnamon and sweetness. Mm-hmm. I th- I used to think of that. I used to think cinnamon was like the most prominent spice in the chai mix. But actually, it's not in the slightest. Even when you go to India, when they're making chai on the streets, all the chai wallahs will have different types of chai and one of them will be grating ginger, fresh mm-hmm. ginger into his chai without anything else. And another one will, in, in Punjab for example, example they use a lot more just crushed cardamom so there'll be a lot more of that cardamom flavor and nothing else and then in some places they'll just have the spice mix which is the powder that they put into the chai because that's just easier Mm -hmm. Um, and some places they'll put lemongrass like fresh lemongrass leaves and they'll like boil it with that and some places they'll put mint leaves so sometimes i'll boil my chai with mint leaves so you can really just put whatever you want and there's pepper in there my one contains a bit of white pepper and yeah. and black pepper mm-hmm. nutmeg clove again nutmeg and clove are not prominent at all in fact my chai spice could be made without them so i put very little of nutmeg and clove um but ginger and cardamom are the most prominent spices and that's what makes any chai really a chai yeah um it's not the cinnamon but yeah it is very specific to me um and i think partly because i mix the, the sugar into it so it doesn't vary anywhere um and it's headier than what you get, and spicier, and more authentic yeah, than what you get. Yeah, it's very kind of
0: rich. Like it's got a real depth. That kind of it's like an adventure of flavors in there.
1: You I also talk, think coconut sugar has that sort of sense of Carameliness, caramel-iness as and well, yeah, and yeah. it has that
0: earthiness to mm-hmm. it. Which, I didn't actually know you used coconut sugar in it. I haven't used coconut sugar in a long time, but it does have that sort of sweet. Kind of rich, oh, caramelly yeah. tone, yes, doesn't yes, it? Yes, like yeah. treacle. It's got a treacle. Now, I often oh. find it when you use it, you can use a bit less of it yes. than you would with conventional sugar because because it has it kind of ha-
1: brings a flavour along with it. Mm. You are not
0: just using it to pull out a flavour; it brings one. Yeah, on. it, has so, flavor. Exactly, yeah. it has a flavour. Exactly, it has
1: a flavour, which is so nice. Um, and it, it reminds me a little bit of jaggery. Jaggery is hard to use. I love jaggery, but it's hard, hard to, use. Find, harder harder to, find to find. Too hard to find. Too because it's an, it comes in blocks and you need to yeah. melt it, so it's not easy to find it granular. Anyway, next question. <laughs> you talk a lot about next question. <laughs> you talk a lot about the importance of the
0: spice box and and bring it back to spices. Yes, and using it playfully, playfully. And I know that you're a big fan of not kind of just confining it to curries and dolls and traditional Indian cooking. Where else do you kind of like to use spice, or where else do you like to see people using spice that you think it's maybe kind of not used enough?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I came from that sort of perspective of not having cooked a lot and then entering the kitchen in, you know, in my 30s, for example. Mm-hmm. I did cook before that, but not much. I, I realized that I came from a point of fascination when I started cooking in my 30s. I came into the kitchen and understood understood these flavors that I'd grown up eating and was like, oh my God, this, these are the spices that make my food what, what it tastes like. It's delicious. And so I um, started experimenting with those spices and using, for example... Cumin powder in a stir fry. And I know people yeah. do that, but people think of cumin as a very, well, I think of cumin seeds as a very Indian ingredient. Mm-hmm. But those sorts of things, or Roasting your sweet potatoes or potatoes in the oven with ro- rosemary, but also adding cumin seeds yeah. or, you know, making a targah mix, which is the fried spice mix in oil um, with mustard seeds, cumin seeds, maybe even some fennel seeds and lots of sesame seeds and adding that to sesame a salad. Seeds, that's cool. Yeah, delicious. And adding that to a salad, it just enlivens it. Mm-hmm. And using these spices in a very sort of playful and gentle way like you don't need to over overdo it can really sort of enhance the, the 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 sort of creative experience of food and make the food taste a lot better without making it seem indian mm-hmm. so i'm just trying to show that you don't need it to be like oh this is the indian Pow, night let India. me take out my yeah. no, let me take out my curry box yeah. you can sort <laughs> of be like oh i'm making a salad dressing today let me add mustard seeds popped in a little bit of oil Delish. and just blend it in yeah i love but, actually mint in a stir fry like yes a,
0: actually fresh and kind of walk it in there and that's oh, kind I don't of a, do that yeah actually. it's a bit rogue but it's really delicious and it sort of has you know how thai basil has that kind of really yeah, aromatic flavor Mint has that i guess because it infuses really yeah, well that's why so we put true. it in water and stuff yeah Yum. i love mint gosh favorite spice is that is that too much? Is that too big? A no,
1: question? I think my no, I don't. I do have favorite spice. I think for me, turmeric is quite a good one. Mm-hmm. Just because I know everyone talks about turmeric, but turmeric is one of those ones that really um, is so good for you, and it just is quite a key ingredient in Indian cooking. But it's not it doesn't have as much flavour as, say, for example, ginger or mm-hmm. something. I think they're, so, they're also key. Um, it's got colour, though, as well, yeah, yeah, doesn't it, color. turmeric, which is so fantastic. Gosh. Yeah, I think I use turmeric and ginger a lot. Yeah, um, And ginger powder I have in hot water mm-hmm. quite a lot, just I, because I, it's yeah, so I was, good for, I was reading
0: about that today, yeah, actually. It's yeah, it's very
1: anti-inflammatory. It's a and good digestion Exactly. Aid, digestive aid. It's very good. And, I mean, there's a lot of digestive aids. In my, in my cafe, I said, uh, fennel seeds in hot water. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you can just sprinkle. Your, so that's, again, with, with the spice and the spices not just using them playfully but also like oh t- today instead of having normal water I'll just put a few f- fennel seeds in my mm-hmm. water and that'll just be good for my digestion doesn't mean that you're battling constipation yeah. <laughs> it just means that it's cooling your system a little bit yeah, and yeah. just helping your digestion a little bit so it's just learning how to use these spices in a very sprinkly, playful and healthful way. Mm -hmm. Sprinkly, healthful. I like like that combination of words. (laughs) Making up words, basically. (laughs) So
0: I think a lot of good dinner parties and meals are down to that experience as much as the food. And I wanted to know, has there been, what has been your kind of most memorable meal or dinner
1: party kind of experience, food experience, let's say? I think when I think of memorable food experiences, my first memory, my the memory that pops to the top of my head, is eating in this place called Vishala, which is about one hour away from the capital city of um, Gujarat um, in Ahmedabad. So it's like one hour away, and you go there, and it's such an immersive experience where they they serve, serve you the sort of Gujarati tali on a on the floor, um, wow. on a, on a pan, so it's a leaf, um, and they it's in the dark and there's like dancers sort of um dancing to live music there's camels wandering around so you can actually cool. on a camel ride so i was quite young when i went there yeah but it's such an immersive experience and they and they literally serve you like in the dark where you have like can, lanterns and candle lit everywhere wow. it's all in the open and they're pouring your things onto your plate and they're giving you the soup and the dal and this and they're literally every time you finish something they'll just pour more onto your plate and it's you don't know how much you eat, obviously, you eat a lot, but it's so fresh and so authentic and so village food, like mm-hmm. the the most village food that you'll get um in the most glamorous but in a village setting. So they're bringing the whole village culture to life. And there's all these dancers with like pots on their heads dancing around and there's, and you can also dance and there's live music and, you know, lanterns. It's just, it brings everything to life. Um, And I think that's probably one of my most memorable experiences. That's amazing. And also being in the Rajasthan desert when I was, again, very young with my family and having a meal in the dark, so in the dark, like in the deserts of Mare, which is right in the desert mm-hmm. in Rajasthan um, we'd gone there on camels and they were serving us curry and I can't remember exactly what we ate but again it's just the the ambience the setting where you are and the sort of the feeling you have at the time stays with you
0: mm-hmm. being in nature I guess yeah
1: being in nature and being in the sort of expanse the vast yeah. expanse of the universe Yeah. eating food very cool made by locals so it's, it, those are the, probably the most memorable experiences of food that I have So we're coming to the end.
0: What do you have in store for 2019? Kind of, I guess, 2020. We Gosh, can roll on. Yeah. I know, it's scary, it's scary. It to really think. is scary. But I think it's September, you know, always makes me feel a bit like a new year because
1: it's that back to school feeling. Mm-hmm. I think It it's, really feels like that you know, right now. Obviously, you've just got the book. This has just come out. Yeah, I know. I'm just... I think 2020 will be really building on my well-being side Mm -hmm. because I've moved in the last year from sort of food to well-being by having this cafe and try yoga by writing a book which is more about sort of rituals well-being and Ayurveda and about food but not focusing just on food Um, and sort of building on that whole side of things Um, I don't know exactly where it'll take me there's a few things in the pipeline which are not yet confirmed so I can't really talk about them but But there are things in the pipeline and I'm really excited about 2020. Good. Good. It's a good way to be. Yeah. it's It's exciting because also you're... You also don't know what what's in store for you mm-hmm. which is quite nice and
0: will you be doing more supper clubs and events and kind of yoga brunch club yeah, as well yeah
1: absolutely is... yeah I've got yoga brunch club coming up so fun on love yoga brunch club people if love you don't know it. what yoga brunch club is do you check it out look it up yeah it's Alex great. and I have both done it it's amazing it's fun so I've got two of them coming up for my book launch I'm doing lots of events for my book launch I'm not Good. doing one big book launch I'm doing yeah. Sweaty Betty Wellness Wednesday Yeah. I'm doing like yoga brunch club a yoga brunch at TriYoga Ill Apothecary, Remind Studio just lots of different studios where I'm collaborating with with people and doing talks and, and can
0: people find all this
1: kind of yes, on your website, on website and on miramanic. your social com. media yeah social media miramanic.com and um, social media mainly yeah at miramanic yeah. and at try by Mira.
0: perfect thank Brilliant. you alex well th- it's always good to get that in there <laughs> so then last two questions if you could have three people for dinner anyone in the world who would
1: you have and why so hard <laughs> I think the first person that pops to mind, I know it might be a little bit obvious, but um, Gandhi, because I've always just heard about and, and listened to him or like watched Gandhi and he just always comes to mind when I think of people that have inspired me or who still continue to inspire me um my best friend because i just have a laugh with her mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> and we could have a whole her and gandhi <laughs> yeah, <our God. laughs> and maybe my sister nice uh, or my nephew my oldest nephew because he just comes out with the most profound lines that i think he needs to open a school of of wisdom of of his own <laughs> he's <laughs> like he's 10 years old and he literally comes out with the most profound lines of wisdom so maybe, maybe who maybe knows God. he might be the next gandhi you have no idea
0: and then what are your kind of top three ingredients that you advise people to always have in the kitchen
1: top three ingredients yeah the spice box i know the that's spice not box no you can have that i'll give it to you i'll give it to you <laughs> it's just so like it just works wonderfully for anything there's a few spice mixes in there um ingredients right not mm-hmm. like okay um and i would say lime and lemon okay cool you can have that citrus yeah I'm being and... really generous today. <laughs> what should be the third thing god um I guess nuts. I love my nuts. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just uh, just lots of... I love walnuts. Walnuts. I guess those three come to mind right now. I'm sure I'll walk away thinking... But well, they're oh good finishes, aren't they? <laughs> like one of... You
0: know, the spices are great to put the base... The flavour into the base and then you've got the finishes you've got nuts to sprinkle on the top and then you've got lime well you know that kind of everything needs salt fat acid heat you've you've kind of got that haven't you oh wow I didn't even think of that yeah well clearly (laughs) clearly you know about food then
1: well thank you so much (laughs) that was so brilliant thank you for coming in I loved it thank you so much (laughs) and uh, I can't wait to hear it (laughs) thanks so much Alex bye I hope you enjoyed this week's episode if
0: you liked it rate it review it talk about it share it and invite your friends around for supper this has been a studio 71 production thanks for listening and i'll see you next week